Big Red Revival. Right, welcome back into the Big Red Revival podcast, season three, episode three. As always, I'm your host Taylor Goldenstein, and with me, as usual, the, the QB QB one, Zach Ray. How you doing, man? Good. You kind of paused before you said the the one after the QB. I wonder if I just got replaced there, but uh, but here I still got that starting spot. Hey, competition, man. You gotta have open <laughs> competition. So <laughs> could be QB two here pretty soon. Oh no. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, what's been going on, man? <laughs> oh, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, this is one of the more uh, podcasts I've been looking forward to. Um, we finally get to uh, kind of get out of talking about L's and talking about all these, uh, you know, recent things that have happened in college football and in Husker Nation, and, and we actually get to talk about some real football. But that's just one of the things. And the more, the one thing, other thing that I needed to think I needed to bring up here. Um, is uh, the fact that, you know, the last couple seasons we've been having to talk about, you know, Nebraska taking these losses and like kind of just talking about why this is happening. But uh, I think it's time for the people to know that how many losses you and I have been taking lately in the golf league because um, some would say we're on Let a little bit of a heater. Let them know. And so I thought that, you know, it would be good for everyone to know that we are either currently tied or have the sole possession of first place in league. And um, it's been quite the, uh, the turnaround from the first uh, part of the season. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep the momentum going and, and, you know, we're, we're not taking too much away from our Huskers that we have to see get, uh, get beat more often than not. Right. No. Yeah. For those of you guys aren't aware, uh, Zach and myself uh, play in a Thursday night men's golf league out in Woodlands Hills out there in Eagle, Nebraska. And uh, this is our third year in the league and kind of been middle of the road. You know, we kind of battled uh, last season a little bit for a session, but uh, right now we're currently sitting in first place with two weeks to go. And uh, as I was telling my wife, I go, this is going to be my biggest accomplishment in my life, you know, outside of the, the birth of our child. So, you know, I'm letting her know that I, I'm, I'm all in on this championship and uh, riding out these next two weeks and seeing what we can make of it. Yeah, definitely. It's been it's been quite the ride. And, you know, it seems like we were almost kind of put up against, you know, some less than great golfers there for a yeah. while. And then and then we kind of got a test last week with with a lower handicap. But. Yep, prevailed we, pre- we prevailed them. and uh we we kept the momentum going so um yeah we'll definitely uh we'll keep everyone updated on that but yep. um i think more good more good things to come but we're gonna have to sweat it out tomorrow night because it's going to be a hot one yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna bring home the ship this year i can feel it so two weeks left and uh you know i think uh, i like our chances like we said we're on a five week uh heater of uh, straight straight w so uh feeling pretty good Drivers going straight, so that's all you can really ask for. So, but um, no, it's uh, today. Today's uh, you know a, a great anniversary, or a not so great anniversary, should I say, of uh, one year ago today. So August eleventh, two thousand twenty. Uh, this was the day when uh, good old Kevin Warren Warren stepped up in front of the mic and had the audacity to tell us that uh, he was uh, canceling canceling the upcoming college football season. Due to uh, COVID nineteen, um, you know, mind you, this was six days uh, after he decided to release a new schedule for the with the COVID protocols involved. And six days afterwards, he uh, changed changed course and went ahead and canceled the season. So uh, it uh, it's been quite a ride since then, to say the least. And uh, you know, in times of adversity and crisis, you know, real leadership, you know, shines through or lack of leadership really kind of reveals itself. And I think that uh, we can all say that uh, the Big Ten and, you know, the talking talking piece, Kevin Warren, uh, have done a, uh, a horrendous job at showing showing that leadership. So, but here we are. We're 17 days out from the Huskers kickoff. It's uh, August 11th, so we're, we're 17 days out from August 28th, week zero. Nebraska's kicking off the college football season. You know, we're 
we're uh, there's what three or four other games on on that Saturday, and none of them really worth a shit. But there's uh, there's one. I think it's um, Hawaii and UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's watchable at least. But I don't think the other ones are very noteworthy. Right. And, you know, game day couldn't even do this, do us a favor of coming here for that day. You know, we've got a, a divisional conference opponents playing each other and, uh, you know, couldn't even get the game day matchup. That's going to a, uh, I believe, uh, two teams in the SWAC or an HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, week zero. Nebraska kicks off the day at 11 a.m. per usual. You know, we can't even get a prime time or mid afternoon spot, you know, on a Saturday when there's literally five games all day but uh you know at this point i'll take it and you know just kind of piggybacking on what we were talking about earlier about the uh one year ago anniversary it's been so now about two years since you know myself and you and college football fans have really got a chance to experience college football i mean yeah last year they played it but the big 10 played in empty stadiums other schools played in front of half fans quarter fans three-quarter fans whatever the deal may be but um you know, I think you would agree and most people would agree that the uh, special part about college football is the environment that uh, college football is set in. And so it's been about two full years since we've really got to kind of experience that full college game day um, atmosphere for, for ourselves and, you know, with the university and across the country. Fans have been kind of just, you know, chomping at the bit to get to this point. And here we are 17 days away. But, uh, you know, before we start talking about uh, the week zero opponent, you know, I just kind of wanted to go through and, Talk uh, talk about you know what what kind of makes college football special and what you kind of missed about uh, what we've missed these last two years not being able to uh, attend games and uh, the game day atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, just kind of to start with the things I missed. Um, you know, it the list can go on and on. I think, but there's two really things that that stick out to me specifically in the um, you know kind of the game day atmosphere. Uh, the first one, obviously, is you know, anyone who's been down in uh, downtown Lincoln and going to, you know, be going to the game, you know, they spend some time at, you know, a tailgate or uh, the rail yard or wherever it might be and um, kind of have their their good time beforehand. But then, you know, you always have either yourself or somebody you're with. Makes the judgment call. It's it's time to time to make the trip and and get to the stadium. Um, we all know those friends that wait till the very last second, have to take their or drink their last beer, take their last shot, and then they want to get going. And then there's those ones like myself who who like to get there a little early and kind of take in the environment ahead of time. So, um, but either way, the time comes and and you make quote unquote the walk to the stadium. And everyone knows the walk. You go you go past the underpass. You go under it. And then you greet this large, large group of people wearing all red and you make your way into the stadium. So that's an experience like any other. And then the second one that really pops out is, and I think the movie Rudy really, really portrays it well. When you walk up through the uh, the steps and the, you know, the, this and that, and you walk through that tunnel and you see the field and you see the environment and the players and the big yep. screen for that first time, it just you can't help but have your breath taken away a little bit. It's just an awesome experience. And, you know, no matter how many times you do it, it just never gets old. So those are are the two things, you know, game day related that I, you know, I really miss and, you know, I will always miss whether it's just a week or, you know, for example, last year, the whole year. Um, But as far as, you know, the whole, you know, college football outlook, it's just, it's something I think I can speak for both of us. And we grew up in it, you know, we, we right. grew up in Lincoln and, you know, when we were growing up, we were experiencing one of the most dominant eras in all of college football in Nebraska in the, in the nineties. And so that holds a special place in our heart. But on top of that, you know, our, my family had a really close family relationship with uh, Milt Teniper and his son, okay. Todd, and he's the late great Milt, the, the former, all-time offensive line coach who, you know, led some of the best offensive lines in, in all of college football history. Right. And there were times where we got to go to that end-of-the-year um, offensive line um, banquet where – Oh, pipeline? You, yeah, where you'd see these guys eat more than <laughs> – I mean, it was just incredible, but I was just so starstruck at the time. And and I just wish that, you know, I could, I could really remember it a little bit more because I was so young, but – 
Then on top of that, as you get older, it just becomes going to the tailgates and going to the games and watching games with your friends. It doesn't even have right. to be the Huskers. And you just you kind of develop those those special memories. And then, you know, even more so for me, um, I kind of my my wife hates it and gives me a hard time for it. But a lot of, uh, you know, our major, you know, um, dates of our uh, relationship come based on my memories of, of uh, Husker football. I mean, I met Absolutely. her, I met her the day that we got beat nine to seven by Iowa state. And, um, and then we started dating the day we beat Oklahoma state at Oklahoma state when it, or Taylor Martinez threw for 400 and ran for a hundred. So right. it's just little things like that, that always kind of like really just a lot of it just holds a special plate in your place in your heart. And so the excitement is just, it's unavoidable. And every year, it just feels like it's the same, and that little kid just comes out in me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, currently being a 35-year-old grown-ass man, it's still like Christmas morning every every Saturday in the fall, and hearing uh, college game day start up, and hearing the little college day theme song come on, I mean, it's just hard not to get goosebumps, and especially early on in the season when you've missed it for so long, and it's just, you know, it's a special feeling. I, I mean... Um, just these last couple of years where Nebraska has been having these 11 a.m. games, it kind of, you know, changes up the whole dynamics of everything, kind of maybe makes you feel like a little bit of an alcoholic cracking your first beer at 8 o'clock. But, uh, you know, that's what you got to do to get ready for a Husker game. But, um, you know, the game day environment, uh, especially in places like Lincoln, Nebraska, is just it's just next to none. I mean, it's just such a special, special day, special event. Um everybody's dressed in red, the whole town's vibing, everybody's looking to have a good time, and, you know, look out, don't let us fuck around and, you know, win the game on Saturday, because <laughs> that's when, <laughs> that's when all hell breaks loose, you know, everybody's really having a good time, so, um, unfortunately, we haven't seen too, too many of those these last couple of years, but, uh, you know, I think that, unfortunately, I think people are starting to uh, get adapted to the losings that, you know, we lose a game and, you know, the party just keeps on going. But, um, you know, also for me, you know, game days, uh, my, my dad hosts and my uncles host a, a big football tailgate. So for me, it's a time to go see a lot of my extended family. And that's something I kind of really missed out on last year was uh, just going to the tailgates and seeing people that I haven't seen in a while. I mean, you know, seeing if you're born and raised in Lincoln, like we are, I mean, uh, college game day in Lincoln, you're seeing, every single person you've ever met your entire life growing up. So it's, uh, there's no like, Oh, have you seen so-and-so? It's like, Oh yeah, no, I just saw him at the game two weeks ago or whatever. So you're always running into people catching up and it's just a good way to keep in touch with everybody. So just something that's super special. I know it's not, uh, <clears throat> just here in Lincoln, obviously college towns all across the country. It's uh it's just a special event. And I think that's why college football is such a, just a national pastime. I mean, it's just the camaraderie, the, the, uh, it feels like, you know, pro teams kind of feel like uh, a business and these, these guys feel like, um, you know, feel like they're ours, like they belong mm -hmm. to the state and, uh, you know, maybe that'll change now with the NIL than doing commercials and, you know, shit like that. But, um, yeah, it's just always feel a little more pure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it's just uh, game days in Nebraska, man. It's just there's nothing like it, and I'm super excited to get that back. Uh, well, hopefully, you know, yeah. you know the way old Delta knocking on the door, uh, trying to <laughs> trying to mess up another football season. Positive but, vibes uh, only. Yeah, exactly. So as of now, we, we are good to go, and we're 17 days out from Nebraska at Illinois. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to get back to uh, being in the stadium and seeing stadiums full. I mean, seeing the whiteout at Penn State, seeing Enter the Sandman, Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. I mean, the tunnel walk, being at the, the uh, Memorial Stadium for the tunnel walk. I mean, it gives me chills every single every single time, no matter what. Chills every single time. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that stuff. But, um, you know the the vibe around here and in, in Nebraska in general is kind to uh, kind of changed to uh, like the motto of our uh, our our neighbors to the uh, east of us, Missouri. You know Nebraska's kind of turned into the, the show me state. You know the vibe around here has completely changed. Uh, it's kind of the lowest uh, tone I've heard for Nebraska football in quite some time. It's uh, whenever you you know everybody still wants to talk Nebraska football, but the positive outlook isn't isn't there as much as it well definitely not as much as it has been in previous years obviously the first year scott frost you know came to town it was uh 
it was all, you know, rainbows and sunshine and great outlook. And even after that year, when we had a losing record, it was like, well, well, you know, they went four and two down the stretch. Adrian Martinez, we got a young quarterback. And so there was lots of optimism coming from that second year. Kind of similar, similar, you know, everybody's talking, well, he needs to get his guys in there and the guys learn the system. And, and it's just, it's the vibe right now is just completely changed. Everybody you talk to, they're into the, uh, you know, they need it. It's time to show me. It's time to put up or shut up. And so Nebraska has turned into the show me state. Um, everybody's been is tired about hearing, uh, you know, he needs more time or his, he doesn't have his guys or the excuses for this, the excuses for that. It's time for this this football team, this program, this quarterback, and this, this coaching staff to step up and show the state that, uh, you know, this is something that we can still be proud of and this is something that we can still rally around. So what have you kind of encountered just talking to uh, people about this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you you nailed most most things on the head there. Um, you know, I think the only person that really is consistently sunshine and rainbows at, at this point in time is our boy Chaz in SoCal. So <laughs> I don't think that'll ever change, though. Very um, positive outlook. And if you tell him <laughs> otherwise, like it's just like you kicked his dog. But that's <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. I know. But I I do think, um, you know, in comparison to past seasons under Frost, I mean, this is definitely the least amount of hype that we have felt right. uh, from, you know, the fan base and even the team. Um, and I think that might actually be a good thing. Um, you know, obviously everyone's really, really excited, you know, for a new season, you know, that obviously comes with new opportunity, but you almost see a little more of a humbled uh, Scott Frost and, uh, and the way he's just speaking to media and carrying himself in general. And, right. you know, at this point, I think it's, it's just very simple I mean, this is the time that we have to either start fighting and clawing to begin our our long path back to relevancy, um, or we're going to get left behind because teams right. teams are getting better, conferences are changing, recruiting is getting more complicated, and if we stay down and c- remain complacent in where we're at as a program, th- that window of opportunity to kind of get back and even get relevant it just continues to get smaller and smaller, and you know. It's, I mean, until it's just ultimately shut and we're left out in the cold, like, you know, like a lot of programs are. And so, yeah, kind of, this is the time that we need to at least show a pulse. Right. I mean, we saw, we've seen flashes here and there, but they, they, they're very scarce. And so it's time that we, we start to put it together to an extent, you know, no one, no one expects anything like a, even a big 10 West title or, you know, anything beyond that, but get us to a bowl game, get us some positive momentum right. and get us back on the right track. And I think if, if that happens, you know, we can, we can set a little bit more of a, a standard and a little more of an, an uptick for, for the future. Yeah. It, you know, it's kind of like a term I use in basketball, you know, just need to see one go through the hoop, you know, yeah. and by one, I, I'm not just talking about one win. I'm talking about, you know, uh, a season, a winning season, a successful season, a seven, eight win season. You know, I'm not asking for a 10 win season to start turning this around. We need to just see one go through the hoop. We need to see that hard work pays off uh, all the work that we're doing. And by where, I mean, the fans, the the team, the administration, the coaches, everybody, everybody just needs to see that all this effort that we're putting into this, you know, can pay some dividends and pay off. And, you know, a seven win, seven, eight win season, it isn't too much to ask. You know, I feel like if, uh, you know, we have another subpar season or another losing record or we're home for the holidays again, not going to the bowl, you know, I feel like we could be a team and a program that just kind of, you know, gets lost in the abyss, especially with the ever changing landscape of college football with conference realignment. And, you know, I, I kind of talked about it last episode of, you know, our, our tradition and our fans and our facilities are only going to take us so far, you know, uh, this, when things start changing and changing rapidly, you know, we can only hang our hat on, you know, the nineties and our tradition for so long before, you know, teams that are going to start, you know, making moves and we might be left out in the cold if we don't start at least showing that we have a pulse and we bring something to the table for, you know, college football. So did you happen to see uh, the interview with, Trev Alberts uh, when the B, uh, when BTN came to our practice, um, I didn't see that anywhere. What was what was uh? Was well, when you, when you mentioned um, not to live in the past anymore, that's something he actually brought up on his own. He said that you know that's that's been 
kind of a bugaboo of this program for a while. It's like we we can't keep looking back to the '90s and trying to you know re- reinvent the wheel. We 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 need to move forward and adapt and figure out what works <coughs> for us today, not what worked for us before, because that that time has come and gone, and and things are different, and so is so is the sport and. Right. So I, I, I really appreciated him just kind of saying that and bringing that up when he wasn't even prompted to to answer anything like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that it's been kind of an issue for us a lot is is leaning too hard on the past. And, you know, the things that uh, made us successful then aren't aren't going to be the things that makes us make us successful this our this go around. So. It's uh, it's nice to you know look back on it. Some of those things can translate, but uh, for the most part, you know, it it's not going to have any, any, um, any you know, it's not going to contribute to our success in any way. What we were able to do ninety four, ninety five, ninety seven, you know, and up through the early two thousand. So it's you know it's time to just full straight ahead, full straight. Excuse me, straightforward, and uh, you know, start focusing on what we can do to make this team better, this program better going forward. And you know, it starts with this season. Um, it starts with having a successful season this season. And I think having a successful season, if you talk to people, uh, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, Zach, what does to have a successful season this year? What what does it look like for you, like record wise, or any other things you're looking for this season? Uh, well, when I look at our schedule, um, I kind of categorize games in three different categories. One would be the should-be wins. Those are the at Illinois, Fordham, Buffalo, at Michigan State, Northwestern, Purdue. Then you have your toss-up games, Michigan, at Minnesota, Iowa. And then you have your hope-and-pray games, which are at Oklahoma, Ohio State, at Wisconsin. Yep. Based on that, I I think we need to at least see a 7-5 and five. Um you know, if you count up the should-be wins, that's six, and then you have toss-up wins. Um, there's three games in there. If you can win one of those, I think, I mean, that's a reasonable ask and, you know, a, a good stepping stone for, for you know, the future of the program. And then, you know, as far as what can contribute to that, I mean, first and foremost, we saw it in the uh, the practice in the spring game. We have to keep 2 a.m. healthy. I mean, we right. go as far as he goes offensively this season and so that that's gonna you know hold a lot um to our success and then i'm gonna use your old phrase here taylor by hook or crook uh, we need we need it we need a 1000 yard rusher and a 1000 yard receiver i mean we need to see what we were promised with this offense when frost came here because we saw it at ucf and we saw glimpses of it in 2018 Right. It's, yep. it's been essentially MIA since, you know, we've, Absolutely. we've found ways to, to beat teams pretty handily, but it wasn't in that formula. And I think that's where, you know, we've kind of missed that, that, that gap there. Right. And then, um, you know, the obvious things need to take care of the ball. I could go through all the interceptions and fumble lo- lost we've had over the three years, but leading, all, leading the nation in turnovers. several years. Yeah. Ago. We've all seen it. We don't want to live them. So I'll just skip that part. And then, Defensively, I think it's really, really simple. We just need to keep that nasty that we suddenly kind of developed last year. Right. Um, we need, we do need more takeaways um, because that's also something that was promised with this UCF defense. It was, it was kind of a a blend of um, bend and not break, but you know the 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 positions that the uh, this defensive scheme puts you in puts you in opportunities to take the ball away. And then obviously, you know, the special teams, um, it just has to be better. You know, our kicker somehow got kicker of the uh, or the Big Ten kicker of the year last year. But right. um, it goes beyond that. And it really comes down to helping ourselves offensively and defensively when it comes to the um, to where we where we start in field position, because we can't just keep kicking ourselves and putting our backing ourselves up against the wall and then giving them, you know, uh, possessions that start at the 50 and 45 yard line. So yeah, when we're losing so many one possession games, you know, every yard is, uh, you know, a, a lot. So, you know, starting, starting, having teams start at the 40 and us starting at the 15, you know, it's, it, you know, it's a game of ventures. It's mm-hmm. a game of ventures. So, um, yeah, for, for me, you know, I think initially going into, um, into this a couple of weeks ago when we we're starting up back up the pod, I was at six and six, um, Thinking six and six, you know, would get us to a bowl game, get to a bowl game, uh, you know, against a preferable opponent and get seven wins, finish seven and six with a winning record. I thought, you know, that 
would be a step in the right direction. Um, but, you know, just kind of after just dissecting this whole team and, you know, what's going on, I'm, I'm with you on the seven and five and going to a bowl game that might get us to eight and five. But I think seven you and agree? five. Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's odd, right? Maybe I should change it up just for the sake of argument here. But uh, no, I think seven and five is uh, – I'm in the right – I think that's the right number for us. Um, I don't want to uh, underestimate the, you know, the, that we have two bye, bye weeks this year because we're playing in week zero. So I think those could play an integral part into our success, especially coming down the stretch. They fall within the last five weeks of the season, both of them. So um, I think those will be nice regroups. We have one before Wisconsin and one after Minnesota before Purdue. So um, I think those could play a key role into this. But um, I know you kind of talked about, you know, the things that we've beaten to death for the last three years of this, uh, the turnover, special teams, yada, 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 uh, sign of success. I'm kind of looking a different way on it. I'm kind of looking at, uh, you know, I want to see us have a uh, two first-team all-conference players um, as a sign of a successful season. Um, and then I'm in, I'm looking at the draft. I want to see us to have a guy drafted in the first two days. So the first two days is would be rounds one, two, and three. Um, and that's kind of what would signal a success successful season to me, a seven win, seven and five record, uh, all conference players, and someone drafted in the first two nights. Those are things that Nebraska has been lacking. Um, I think we have the ingredients to do that. I mean, obviously Cam Taylor bread is going to be a likely candidate to be, um, a first team, second team, uh, all Big Ten, and a first first two days performer in the NFL, um, and then you kind of look at guys like JoJo Doman, um, and then um, you know I'm kind of starting to buy into the hype train of this uh, Samari Torre. I think that um, I'm starting to think that this guy might be better than Stanley Morgan, and we all saw what uh, Adrian Martinez was able to do with Stanley Morgan. Um, so I'm I'm buying buying all the stock right now on uh, Samari Torre. I mean, the guy, you know, some say he hasn't proved on this level, but uh, he's dominated at the just a level below us. So it wasn't like it was Juco ball or anything. So he had, what, uh, 1,300 yards at Montana. So I think this guy is going to be as advertised. You know, he's a six foot three receiver that can, uh, you know, go over the top or take the top off the defense and, you know, run those underneath routes. So I, I'm looking to him to uh, potentially be an all Big Ten and a uh, first uh, two draft day performer. So those are the kind of things I'm going to be looking for to signal success. And, you know, which kind of leads me into my next next thing of um, is the talent on this roster underrated? Is this the most talented roster team that Scott Frost has had in his ten- tenure here? Um, I think definitely defensively, yes. I think we, uh, you know, th- the way we were able to retain a lot of guys from a defense that was vastly improved last year who, you know, really started to kind of be the the strength of our team last year. I think um, defensively, yes, we are the most talented. Uh, I don't know that I can make a very educated um, answer on whether this offensive talent that we're bringing in and, and have is better than the 2018 team that Frost had because – you mentioned you you mentioned Stanley Morgan. Um, there was J.D. Spielman, who damn near was a 1,000 yard receiver, barring a couple injuries. I believe those um, are our two highest uh, yards receivers in school history, too, right? One yeah. Yep. And you know, and on top of that, you had you had Mo Wash, you had a Zigbo, you had I mean Jack Stoll was kind of in his prime of his Husker career at that point, um, and so it just seemed like. You know, after the initial six losses that we had to uh, to live through, um, it it seemed like things were really starting to click, and we were and I mentioned it before, but starting to see what Frost was trying to do here, um, and he brought it from UCF. So right. it's it, I think um, maybe we revisit this later in the year, um, but you know, on paper, uh, you know, they could it looks be. like it could be. Yeah. yeah but, um, you know, it's it's yet to be determined. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, you know, I'm just kind of starting to buy in. Obviously, the defense um, with basically everybody returning outside of Boodle, 
um, and plus some young guys that I'm looking to contribute, plus the uh, transfer from Ohio State, uh, Tariq. Um, you know, I think that this defense is going to be really salty. Obviously, I'm very high on JoJo's been my favorite guy since he's been here. Um, Ty Robinson obviously uh, showed his flashes last year, showing that this guy is probably going to be a Sunday guy here eventually. Um, and then, you know, I'm looking for the, the guy I'm looking for and looking forward to watching this year is uh, Nick Heinrich, um, the kid out of uh, Omaha Burke. Uh, is going to be a redshirt sophomore, I believe. You know, battled some injuries his first couple years here, but um, uh, it looks like he's running with the ones. And I'm looking for him to have a breakout season. Um, you know, he knows that he's not just my favorite because he wears number 42. But uh, you know, that's obviously it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't hurt his case. But uh, I'm just I'm I've bought into the defense being a top three defense in the league, and then offensively. Um, obviously on this show that me and you have been uh, Adrian Martinez uh, uh, apologist, basically, um, you know, I, I, you know, when you, it's hard for me to see somebody be great before and just think that they still don't have them in there, have that in there somewhere. So, um, you know, I will always think that he's capable of regaining that form that we saw from him uh, as a freshman. And I think that this year, with the weapons that I believe are going to be weapons at receiver, tight end, and a you know a, a very unproven running back room, but a very I feel like we would all agree a pretty deep running back room. I think there's about five guys that we wouldn't be you know wouldn't be shocked to see them getting the load the load of the carries this this uh, fall. So um, and then with the offensive linebacker, you know you've got your your returning center back, so your three year starting center, which. Obviously, that's probably my second favorite guy on the team. I think Cam Jurgens is um, going to be in, end up being a first, second round pick uh, NFL draft pick here, and I think this could be his uh, his year where he breaks out and breaks on the national scene. Um, obviously, you know everybody's harped on his snapping issue and whatnot, but um, you know I think that's water, like to say it. that's water under the bridge, though. <laughs> yeah, you know you would like to thank it and whatever. And if you look at everything outside the snaps, which obviously being a center snapping the ball is pretty big, goddamn big deal. But um, the guy gets, gets after people. I mean, you know, he made uh, Bruce Feldman's freak list. I mean, the guy obviously is a converted tight end uh, is what he came here as when he was a freshman from Beatrice. And now he's converted center. And the, obviously the, all the, you know, the Remington, you know, the potential Dave Remington, you know, things have been thrown around and um, I'm just very high at him and the offensive line, you know, they're, I think it's, I think it's pretty deep. I think we're going to have a lot of probably, you know, eight, nine guys rotation. So um, your left tackles are a little young. Um, we saw Ben Hart get in there last year and have some, you know, growing pains as a, uh, a redshirt freshman. Um, and then Cochran got into the last game of the season against Rutgers. And I think we all believe he held his own, you know, so I think that the offense line is going to be good. So I start, you know, putting those things together and I'm like, well, well, shit, Taylor, you know, where, where, you know, what's your, what's, what's the issue you're looking at on the field or which, where's the weak point on this team you feel like. And, you know, all those things I discussed could end up being the weak spot, but I honestly just feel pretty good about those all spots on the field going into this season. But you never know. Um, you know, I, we talked about. I, I, I want to say real quick. I remember our first ever episode. And we just thought we had an all-star team on our team. <laughs> yeah. I think it, I said it, we're going 10 and 2. Again. Every every year you look at the roster and you're like, man, right. I, I, I remember them getting recruited. Like he, yep. this was this guy was a this star or whatever. But right. And then, you know, you, you revisit it two years later. So I'm not trying to. Rain on your parade or anything, but I'm no, I, like, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, me in. <laughs> no, it's it's just uh, this is I I heard a it? lot of myself and you just now because <laughs> I'm usually saying the same type of stuff. I and it's I, just, know. I appreciate it, <laughs> but it's like at the same time, it's like I'm predicting us to go seven and five, but it's like, is is it just because we have a tough schedule? I'm predicting that because, like I said, like I feel like I like all of our position groups. I mean. As far as position groups go, what do you think is the strong and weak point uh, as far as position groups go? I'm, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. Uh, okay. okay I, I think I think our best overall position group, and I would have said tight end before yeah. uh, what's-his-name transferred and um, uh, Fedoni got hurt. Right. But I think I, I, I want to lean towards D-line. Um, it's, it's very I mean, deep. 
Ty Robinson, Damian Daniels, Casey Rogers, Ben Stilley, Jordan Riley, Marquise Black, and then that Rukon Buckley. Like yep. he, he's he's been kind of his name's come up quite a bit. Got a bunch of grown ass men on that. And list. then you look at Nash Hutmacher and guys, the young guys like that, where it just the names keep going on and on. Right. And so there's there's like a lot of a lot of good stuff happening there. And I think I, I think um, you know a lot of those kids are really bought into that coach Tod. Yep. I think he's doing a really really bang up job here, and uh, it's it's starting to pay off. And then as far as my not so favorite. Um, group <laughs> i um right before we started the podcast i i fired up on youtube uh ryan held's um press conference from today yeah what's he talking about and um it seems like he just like knew what i was about to say on this podcast because i i i have them as the worst worst uh Damn, worst, the worst? Group. yeah yeah oh, i do <clears throat> and it's not because i think they're gonna maybe end up the worst i'm probably gonna be eating my words at the end of the year but right they're just maybe maybe more well versed is uh unproven yep. um and it's just it just seems like we have this the, the marky or step marky step from usc and then we got the yant guy we got gabe irvin um who yant and Irv, um irvin were you know very highly touted um you know at one point and then we have our guys like uh Morrison and Marvin Scott and Marvin Scott and Ronald Tompkins still somehow around it seems like no, he's been no, here for he's four done. oh Ronald Tompkins is gone okay <laughs> had to retire had to retire the oh that's right yeah 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 no i i mean but it, either way i just feel like you know um and it's not maybe it's not because of lack of talent maybe it's just because there's just not that guy that's really like setting themselves apart Right. And that could be either a very good thing or a very bad thing. But he, he gets on the, the um, press conference and he's like, I'm just going to say that everyone's playing good. And um, and we, we're hearing the outside noise that uh, there's no one. Sa- and basically saying what I just said. And I just yeah. was like kind of taken back. I'm like, damn, OK, well, yeah. uh, maybe I'm not the only one who thinks this. But um, yeah. So I think I think it's a running back group, and I, honestly, I had the receiver group as as a close second. Damn. Okay. I, I'm I'm not high on the offense this year. I I and I think it just goes back to what I said about the running backs is there's just so much unproven, and right. um you know I want to believe in Torre and and those guys, but you know I if if we have to run out Wyatt Lear, Lure again, I I'm just I'm gonna lose my mind. Yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing. I think he's going to be seventh or eighth on the depth chart, which is you know where where he should be. I, you and know, Brody Belt's a receiver now too. And if he runs oh, out oh, there, I'm yeah, I'm I might have to just change it over to to something else. I, <laughs> I think I think we've made our uh, positions very well known on those two guys. <laughs> um, yeah, like I I feel like we're not going to be seeing those guys at least in like uh, non special team roles, um, but. <clears throat> So for my position groups, you know, I think you, you you know, you started with the tight ends, which I believe is our our best group. Uh, I'm just going to assume Fedoni's back for the back end of the year. But uh, Austin Allen and Volkolek, even though there were some mur- some murmurs today, unfortunately, that uh, Volkolek might be injured. And uh, so and no confirmation on that. But, uh, you know, the, the reporters at practice were making notes that uh, neither one of the tight ends were were lined up out there and they were playing um, Chris Hickman um, at tight end back at tight end. So um, that's a, that's a little worse. That's worried. not all I'm, bad though. Yeah. But you know, you want Austin Allen and Volkolek. Like, those are the two big studs. Those are who the, you know, they said the NFL scouts have been at practice who they came to see. And who so, is the, who is the guy that transferred? Um, um, God damn. Um, yeah. yeah I, I that's why I didn't put them as, as the strongest because right. it feels like they, their depth was just like stripped all of a sudden. Yeah, um, but my strongest group's got to be the DBs. Um, you know, they return three of the four starters, plus uh, plus about plus a transfer, a five star transfer in from Ohio State that you know could be could be the starter, or at least going to be a rotational player. And then we have like three young guys that are all you know fighting, chomping at the bit to uh, to get in there. Um, you know that we haven't seen haven't seen them play much besides a little special teams and a little mop up duty or what uh, when. Uh, Williams is suspended for a half or whatever for you know targeting, which is clearly going to happen again this year a couple times. So um, I just think we're really deep there. Obviously, we have basically two 35-year-old grown men playing safeties for us. Um, so I like that. Um, you know, with Williams and uh, 
um, <laughs> and um, Markel Dismuke. So, mm-hmm. which I mean, I feel like Dismuke was, I mean, he was part of the Calabrasca. No, he was Calabrasca movement. He was pre- yeah, he was the year before Calabrasca got started. That was like, you know, what, what Frost Day I mean, sloganeers? I changed was, careers before then. <laughs> right shit so um so we have two grown ass well you know well been in the game for a minute guys at the back end um and then we probably have our best overall player cam taylor bread at corner um just a straight playmaker and then we've got a bunch of young guys ready ready to come in and make an impact you know three or four young guys that are all going to be vibing for time so i think the dbs is probably the deepest um and best um and Unfortunately, it's probably the the worst or lack thereof is the quarterback room. Um, obviously, we have our four year starting returning quarterback, uh, but uh, which obviously we're big two AM fans. But uh, behind that, there really isn't much. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about a little bit. Logan Smothers can't hit just didn't spot. look just didn't look like he was going to be a uh, a power five power five quarterback. You know what we've seen from him between the open practices the uh, spring game he just doesn't look like he's got enough of an arm and accuracy to uh, play quarterback he basically looked like a little less athletic uh, you know lukey um <laughs> luke mccaffrey so um Luke-y. And, yeah and harbor you know obviously he showed some flashes showed that he's got uh he's got a very talented arm but um you know it's it's tough to go from uh playing at carnet catholic to playing in the big 10 so uh, heaven forbid something should happen to Adrian Martinez. Um, we're we're gonna be in a boatload of trouble. Um, Riker five, so. Riker five, two point yeah, Oh, I mean, I would kill. I'd kill to have a Riker five. On no, right no, now. Like, don't say that. Never say that. Riker five would be an upgrade over the both backups. That guy stinks. He, yeah, but uh, he, these guys behind him, um, and then Metzger, I believe, is the fourth quarterback. I just the depth there is is an issue um and yeah. i really wish you know frost would have went to the portal and got got somebody um but um you know we are where we're at and you know i'm hopefully uh, martinez is slim slimming up and everything and i think uh you know the our whole season season hinges on his health so mm-hmm. um that's i guess would be my uh the worst of the uh the position groups, unfortunately, as quarterback, that's, that's never good to be the worst of your position groups as quarterback. But like I said, at the top of it, I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. I like Adrian Martinez. I like having a four-year starting quarterback. Um, and, you know, our season hinges on his health and on, on his play. I want to and change just, mine to your to yours, quarterback. I'm, I'm yep. changing mine. Perfect. All right. So, so we're going to have to get a new, another uh, host on here because we're just agreeing <laughs> on everything apparently today. So, um, but you know, I, I just kind of wanted to maybe tap into you on that. So he's a four-year starting quarterback. Um, you know, they always talk about what, what is a quarterback's best friend? You know, people say a good run game, you know, a dominant running back, a, a, uh, you know, a receiver that can take the top off and go up and get the ball, a good tight end, um, or, you know, a relationship with your center, which, you know, he's setting the protections for you or the relationship with your left tackle is protecting your blind side. Like, so Raby, as a quarterback through high school, you're a three-year starter at Nebraska Wesleyan captain. Who is a quarterback's best friend? As a quarterback, you could never tell your team who your best friend is because <laughs> you got to be best friends with everybody. Um, and okay, well, as far as play, you know, if, if, all, it, all those positions I named, which one of those would you choose that's going to help you out the most to be a stud? Is it a stud running back that you can hand the ball off to? Is it a wide receiver and you just throw a jump ball, he's going to get, go get it? Is a center, you know, being in cohesion with him, being able to set your protections or the guy uh, protecting your blind side? Like who, who, if you got to pick one of those guys to be a stud as a quarterback, who are you picking? I mean, to put, to put it uh, very simply, it's uh, for a quarterback, the, if, the biggest stud you want is a running back because a running back yeah. takes a lot of pressure off of a quarterback. If you have right. a, I mean, they, they say it in, um, is it Friday, Friday night lights, the movie, you mm-hmm. just have to exist from the two seconds. You get the snap to hand it off to the running back. The booby. Yeah. To booby miles. And or, so, uh, in your case, so what, uh, you had a, it was you had what, Bo, Bo Rudin, Bo uh, Rudin. Oh, and right. then uh, you had a stud in college too, what Judge or uh, Jordan Stutzman, uh, yeah, George Stutzman. Guy was a beast. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he was a little uh, injury prone, but when he was healthy, I mean, there wasn't a guy that was going to be taking him down, or one guy that was going to be taking him down. But a lot's to be said about uh, all those positions because a center, obviously, you know, not so much anymore, but a center and a quarterback 
are um, a little more introduced than than most two uh, <laughs> positions together for obvious reasons. Um, right. You know, now nowadays it's a lot of shotgun and stuff, but before it's like you're you're touching that butt and you're you're getting up, getting in, up there. in there. And yep. so, yeah, I mean, if the relationship isn't good, you know, there, there's a lot of things that center can do to you to uh, to make you not want to get up in there anymore. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you look to your you, obviously there's a left tackle. That's the blind side. And that's that's the guy that you kind of rely on to to not have to worry about that per- peripheral vision when you're in the pocket. And then receivers are always kind of like a hit or miss because the receivers, you know, it's they're kind of on a business mission here. They want the ball. Right. Um, and so, you know, if if you don't have a good relationship with them and they're not seeing seeing the rock, um, either they're not one blocking if they play at Nebraska or two, they just I mean, it, it could be the quarterback. It could be the receiver tight end. You can't say enough about the tight ends, though, because that's your safety safety blanket. That's the guys that just kind of can slither through that that linebacker uh, core and kind of get under the coverage and and um, make things a lot uh, very very easy for you but you know if you have a good solid run game and a running back that can make things happen it just opens up so much so yeah you have to choose it's got to be running back okay and you know I I asked you that to just kind of relate back to Adrian Martinez's his freshman year where he had his best running back he's had since he's been at Nebraska and Ozigbo Um, and then he also had um uh, Stanley Morgan as a receiver and you know we feel like he relied on both those guys so I just think that now with I what I believe I I honestly think that this Torrey guy is going to be end up being better than uh, Stanley Morgan I think this is a Sunday player I think this guy's going to be end up getting drafted and I'm saying that off off of watching uh, <laughs> highlights only so uh, I just I don't know just the way people talk about him even you know not even just locally but nationally I think uh, that Torrey is going to be something special and then you're able to pair that with uh, some tight ends and then the run game, I, I think what I've seen from this Gabe Irvin and these couple cuts I've seen in these highlight videos, you know, it's like, oh, it's only a couple, couple little clips, but you know, it, you don't, you don't need to see much to see something special. You know, it's like, I remember Adrian Martinez's first game playing and uh, it was that little jump cut he had uh, when the D, the Colorado defense center linebacker came His around first touchdown ever hit him with a jump cut and broke off for, uh, you know, I think it was 50 yards or so. Mm-hmm. And I knew right there and go, Oh shit, we we've got one, you know, we've got one. It took just one play for me to realize like, Oh, this guy can play. And you know what I've seen from this Gabe Irvin, I, I just, I just feel like this guy is going to be, you know, is going to be really good. I think that, um, you know, and I think that with uh, Yant, um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping they're going to be able to use him on short yardage and, you know, when the weather changes. And I think it's just going to be so beneficial for Adrian to have a, a stable of horses to run the ball and but a couple, you know, go-to guys. And I think that just it's going to help him relax and kind of take a lot of pressure off of him. And I just think that, uh, you know, we could maybe finally get back to the Adrian Martinez that we've all been waiting to see since his freshman year. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to how to see him play and how this pans out, because, um, you know, it's just it's one of these seasons where it's like, I don't know what what what's the ceiling and what's the floor for this team. You know, mm-hmm. are, are they capable of going four and eight or are they capable of going eight and four? I'm not sure. I mean, I I wouldn't be fucking shocked by either one of those, unfortunately, you know, which is, <laughs> that's a big swing. That's a, yeah. that's an eight game swing, you know, mm-hmm. from, so um, it's just, I'm just really excited for this upcoming season to see how this all plays out. And um, it's just, you know, obviously this season means a lot for this program um, with everything transitioning the realignment and all this, but uh, it's a big season for Scott Frost and, yeah. you know, people will debate it till the cows come home, whether he's on the hot seat or he's not, um, I firmly believe he is, um, especially if it uh, if if this season ends in a uh, not heading to a bowl um, with a new AD. Um, that you know, this new athletic director, he's shown that he's not he's not afraid to make the tough decisions. You know, I mean, he went to school and cut a national championship wrestling program that, like I said last time, people are still crying about, and cut the football program, which he's been you know being a football player himself. You know, he's he's not he is willing to make those tough decisions. So. Um, you know, I think this is a big season for Scott and, you know, I listened to this, uh, Jojo Doman podcast, um, yesterday, he's got a little podcast. Yeah. And yeah. it was an episode with 2am and it was really good. It was really good. Um, Adrian's podcast, 
not so much. You know, to, a lot to be desired. A lot to be desired. Well, you know, I think the difference is JoJo has uh, Sean Callahan kind of, you know, JoJo's helping him really out. well spoken too. Yeah. Well, his dad's a sports agent, so yeah. you know, he's pretty. You have to pretty be versed in, like, the, yeah. in the game. Um, and then having Sean Callahan there also kind of just helps it out. So they kind of got. Uh, Adrian opened up a little bit more. He told the story about, you know, losing his mom and uh, just all the adversities faced. And, you know, at the end, they did a little, all these flash questions with uh, JoJo and Sean asked him, you know, he said, what's the biggest difference that you've seen from Scott Frost from year one to uh, year four to current? And, you know, without even blinking, he said, it seems to be all about football this year. And that really just kind of, it, at first it really rubbed me the wrong way and I didn't know exactly how to take it. And then he kind of, kind of explained it a little bit, you know, he's like, well, you know, year one was all about Scott coming home and this, that, and the third. And then year two was all about, uh, you know, is Adrian a Heisman candidate and this and that. And, um, you know, there was just a lot of outside noise and, you know, he just said that it seems to be all about football this year. And I think that people have kind of noticed a different demeanor from Scott these last two or three months, um, it's little things. It's this, it's how he looks at a podium. He's coming up clean shaven, looking put together. Um, he's he's not, you know, coming out with these. Oh well, they better get us now. Type, you know, fucking sayings that end up backfiring and making us look stupid down the road. Um, he's just kind of, you know, going about his business, and it seems that he's kind of reeled it in and is really focused in on the season and. And, you know, when we were talking about position groups uh, that uh, we're most concerned about, in all honesty, my uh, my biggest concern is the the coaching uh, positions. Um, you know, I think that's our biggest flaw. And I think that has been our biggest flaw since uh, Frost got here. Um, the coaching decisions, the coach, the special teams, which that, you know, falls underneath um, in the play calling, I think has been terrible. And I hope that he, you know, I don't know, lets Lubick, uh, you know, take the reins on that and he can, you know, be the CEO of the team. But, um, you know, like I said, I went through this whole whole uh, roster of, you know, plus signs and this position group. I like this and I like this group, like that group. And like I said, I couldn't find any groups that I really, you know, was worried about outside of, you know, the depth behind Adrian. And I still was predicting a, you know, seven and five record. And, you know, I was just talking to people, people at work. And I, these, I can't even believe these words came out of my mouth. I said, uh, you know, I feel like if we had, uh, Kirk Ferentz as a coach, I think we'd be a nine to 10 win team. And that was, uh, disgusting to say It's disgusting to regurgitate into this microphone. But, uh, I just think that you can always count on Iowa being prepared and aren't going to be out coached and they're going to be mentally strong and ready to go. Um, and the discipline is just there. And I think that's something that's Nebraska has really lacked is the discipline and the, the preparation for, for, to play. And of course the end game management, of course, you know, we've talked about his second half struggles, this, that, and the third. So, um, I just hope that Frost has turned the corner and he's ready to, you know, be all in on football. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's a big season for him, uh, whether people believe he's on the hot seat or not, uh, it's it's a big season for him because this could be your make or break and you know coming home as the hometown hero is a lot of pressure but uh you know like uh, i told the you know said about the gymnastics broad that quit in the middle of the, the olympics you know pressure is earned okay i i don't have pressure okay i go to work and <laughs> do my thing and there's no pressure on me okay pressure is earned so it is a it is a privilege to have pressure put upon you um, you know, it's not, they're not just giving it to your UPS driver, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it is a, it is a privilege and is earned. So, um, you need to embrace it and you need to, you know, react to it and, uh, just step up to the level and meet it. Yeah. So what's, what are your thoughts? Um, well, it's, it's kind of funny. You bring up all the things you just did because, um, coincidentally enough, I, I did happen to listen to um, the Bustin' with the Boys podcast uh, yep. with with our boy Will Com- Will Compton. Shout um, out to the boys. Yep. And uh, today his episode uh, featured Bo Pelini. And oh, you, you speak of nine to ten wins a season, and that man got you that. Sure. Did. And um, he he talked about a lot of things, and it was very very insightful. It was very very um, educational. Um, you know, when you look back at his time at Nebraska and. You know, um, you say what you want about him and how he how he um, kind of combated uh, the media and, you know, all that. But there's not a player that played for him that wouldn't 
go to bat for him either. Went around and, through a wall, yeah. Right. And, um, you know, some of the things that he did were, you know, not not great, you know, in the public perspe- per- perception, mainly just Lincoln, Nebraska. But um, right. he, he did a lot of th- things behind the scenes that a lot, I don't think a lot of people know. Um, I mean, he talked a long time. There's probably a 15-minute segment about him actually just showing up to campus, going to classrooms, and making sure his his uh, his players were in class. Right. And he said, you know, when when I was let go from there. Accountability. There, there, the, when I was let go from there, uh, there were maybe two or three other coaches in the country that had won as many games as as I did. Um, there's there's Luke in the background. <laughs> yeah, dogs are barking. Not little Luke, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, when, when he he just he kept going on about the fact that um, you know there were only two or three coaches in the country that had won as many games in the time that he had been there, and um, at the same time when he was let go, his uh, team had the highest GPA that Nebraska football had ever had, and so he was not only kind of enforcing things on the field, but also off and his players came out, you know, with, with degrees and things like that. He was putting them through graduations or into the NFL draft or both. Right. And, um, you know, just, he was doing a lot of things behind the scenes. that I don't think a lot of people saw. And what was really interesting to me is during his, I mean, it was like a hour and 50 minute podcast and he was on there the whole time. At one point, he said that um, Eichhorst was brought on and they almost forced, does this sound familiar? Almost forced Osborne out of the AD role. Mm. There, there are a lot of people that he's very beloved, obviously. I mean, that's right. that's without being, or, you know. But um, he was pretty much forced out of that position. They brought in Eichhorst and he, uh, and Eichhorst, uh, was supposed to be a placeholder and then ended up staying there longer than he should have been. So you wonder at that point, was that Trev's time? And then he turned it down. So I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot to be I, said I, about it. Um, but he, he, he shed a lot of crazy light on, on the program and it was uh, very interesting, but we, we don't know so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited to tune into that tomorrow. Uh, you know, and it's definitely something I'll be listening to. I mean, Will Compton is uh Great, great voice. I mean, he's he's carved himself out a nice little uh, media career here with uh, Barstool Sports. So uh, it's good to see him doing doing big things. Um, and yeah, it's just um, there's there's a lot to be there's a lot to be uh, still written about Scott Frost's time here at Nebraska. And you know, it's um, you know we're 17 days away from what I believe is the biggest game of Scott Frost's career. Um, and that's that's saying a lot. The guy has coached a thirteen and zero team. I believe he was coaching the offense coordinator at the national championship game for Oregon. But uh, this game one against uh, Illinois is, I think, is just needs to be all in Super Bowl type mentality for this program, this coaching staff, this state. Um, it is definitely important to us to get off to a nice start. Uh, we we go get this win at Illinois. And uh, Nebraska is going to be favored in five of their six games. I mean, obviously, we go to Oklahoma, going to get our ears boxed in. But uh, <laughs> you know, if you can, if you tell me, you know, we win, you know, five of our six first games, you know, the, the possibilities are endless at that point. Um, we've got the the part done of what I said earlier of just seeing one go through the hoop, and uh, and then you go into the the tough part of your schedule at the end, those last six games, and uh, anything goes at that point. So it's just all in for week one. Uh, 17 days out, week zero, 2021, Huskers are back, fans are back. Um, but before that happens, uh, Zach, I know you're heading to the uh, the big state event here uh, at, <laughs> excuse me, at Memorial Stadium, uh, Garth, uh, yes, with uh, the other 100,000 uh, Nebraska fans. So uh, before week zero gets here, um, I think people are going to be uh, getting their tailgate on and getting their party on, getting ready with uh, Garth Brooks there at Memorial Stadium. So I'll get it warmed up for everybody. Yeah, y'all pumped and ready for that. I'll get it warmed up for everybody. It'll the seat will be warm. <laughs> you gonna do any tailgating down there? They're talking about opening up the parking lots at eleven a.m. Gates open at five. I'm like, God damn! I mean, we can't we can't pass our daughter off until four p.m. So it's, it's probably <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Now. Yeah. So uh, I know you know, like I said, 
we're ready. We're ready to see it. We're ready to, you know, show me, show me there's improvement. Show me this program has turned. Show me Adrian Martinez can be who we all thought he was. Show me that Scott Frost is the savior of, of this Nebraska football program. It's show me time. So uh, we look forward to it. Um, 17 days out and we're looking forward to this week one week zero matchup at Illinois. So uh, that's it for today's uh, tonight's episode of uh, the big red or vital. Zach, you got anything, uh, any parting shots here? Not at all. I think I said it all. Go big red, baby. Yeah. Yep. I'm uh, you know, wife's back traveling for work. So I am on uh, full-time daddy duty. So, you know, I, I, I had on Paul patrol, I believe it's about to run out now. So it's time to go punch back in on, daddy duty so uh, uh we'll see you guys next time and uh next time we'll be uh previewing illinois and it'll be game week so as always go big red this is the big red revival Here's Wiley's kick, gets high, it holds up there, Rodgers takes the ball at the 30, he's hit and got away, back upfield at the 35, to the 40, he's to the 45, he's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! Holy moly! Man, woman, and child did that, put him in the aisles! Johnny the Jet Rodgers just tore him loose from their shoes! Is this on Nebraska? They're pointing. Oh, you's pointing at the Huskers. It's at the end of the play. After the play, personal foul, unnecessary roughness. Offense number fifty-one. Cam Jurgens. What the? I had his guy on skates. He's pushing him down the field. Pushing him down the field. And I just I don't know about that. Like he doesn't know what's going on behind him. I'm not sure. You know, it wasn't that far after the play. He gave him a push and pushed him to the ground because he weighs 100 pounds more than the DB. But he doesn't know what's going on behind him.